Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Super Sunday. Not because there's a Super Bowl, but because we have church. Right? You see, my team lost last week, so I can, or two weeks ago, so I can say that. And uh, no, uh, you know, it's just good to be here. Uh, I, my name is Randy Hunt. I'm honored to uh, be able to uh, continue this study of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to invite the uh, ushers to uh, hand out a Bibles if you didn't bring one, and feel free to take it home with you if uh, you'd like to uh, have one to continue to use in this study. You know, this has been such a great book to go through because the first three chapters just kind of opens up to us the, the work of Christ and what that means and how it's changed everything. And then when you look at the next three chapters, chapters uh, four, five, and six, it's dealing with how we uh, live out our Christian life. And let me just say this, living out, I think Tyler brought some of this out and, and uh, Tony continued it as well, is that when we talk about living the Christian life, it's not doing a whole bunch of things in order to become a Christian. It's responding to what Christ has done for us and what he's doing in us. Last week, uh, Tony reminded us, uh, uh, gave us three warnings from this particular uh, chapter in chapter 5, verses uh, 15 through 21, and, uh, or, or uh, verses 5 through 14. This morning, I want to unpack First, uh, chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles to that, we're going to read that, and, uh, and then we will kind of start looking at what does it say to us today. So Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we start to unpack this, I want us to just to look at, at kind of the, the heart of Paul as he writes, to other, his, writes some of his other letters and the emphasis that he places on intentionality. For instance, when he wrote to the church at Philippi in chapter 1, verse 27, he said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So you see the word conduct isn't being complacent. It's how you live your life is important. It's being intentional. Then when he wrote to the church at Colossae, Colossians 1.10, it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. So Paul again emphasizes this intentionality to living out faith when he says, live a life worthy of the Lord. Not yourself, but of the Lord. 
So it, it's, we've got to be serious about how we are living out our Christian faith. And at the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, it says encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Again, a very strong word. Uh, so recommending it strongly this idea of urging us to live lives worthy of God. Then in his letter to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So you can see, Paul is encouraging us and he's encouraging the people of his time, clear back in 60 AD, of how important it is that we just don't coast in our Christian faith, that we have to be intentional about how we are living out faith. And I, as I was sitting there in the office and just thinking about, uh, is there any reason for us to, to take seriously what Paul is saying in this time and clear back in 60 AD, is there a word for us today of warning of how we live our lives? So I started Googling. You know, I don't know what I would have done back, you know, before Google. Um, because there's just so much stuff that's good and bad that is at our disposal. And so as I Googled this idea, is there, is there a reason for alarm in living out faith today? And there was a 20-year research that was done by the Barna Group. And what they did uh, is that they, uh, it was, there was an article that's called The Signs of Decline in Hope Among Key Metrics of Faith. They, they surveyed 96,171 people over a 20-year period. And what ended up emerging from this study was a portrait of people trying to figure out what faith means in the 21st century and the role of Christianity in their lives. And what they did then is they, in this survey, they had used three different responses to Christianity. One being practicing Christians. Those are people who seriously uh, are being serious about the way they live out their faith. And they attended church sometime within the month. Now, what all of that means, I don't have time to go into, is exactly what a practicing Christian would look like. But its second category was the non-practicing Christian. And that's somebody who self-identifies as a Christian. If you ask them, you know, what religion are you? They would say Christian. And then the final category is non-Christian. These are people who would not identify with Christianity in any way, and so they're put in that non-Christian category. Now, what they, they found in the beginning of the survey back in the year 2000, here's the, what they found, that there were 45% of that uh, 96,000 would identify as a practicing Christian in the year 2000. Non-practicing, there was 35% who would self-identify as a Christian. And in 40, uh, then 20% in the year 2000 identified as non-Christian. When the survey ended in the year 2020, here was the change. 
And when it came to practicing Christians, only 25% identified as practicing Christians in 2020. Then when it came to non-practicing, it increased to 43%. And for non-Christians, it increased to 32%. So what they decided is that the, it was evenly split on where the practicing Christians went. Half of them went towards the non-practicing Christian and half went to those who are non-Christians. And it's pretty alarming to me, and I think it probably is to you, to look at those numbers. Because it sees a movement where people are losing the intentionality to living out faith in our, in our culture. And uh, that we are starting to back away. We're either being silent or we are just abandoning, abandoning faith altogether. And so when I look at these, that's what takes me to thinking today that what Paul is saying in this passage is crucial. So I want you to be very open and I want you to consider, have I made a move from being a practicing Christian to now just being identified as a Christian? Am I taking seriously my faith? Or have I just abandoned faith altogether? So when we look at uh, beginning with verse 15, we read, we find this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. You see the word careful. The word careful carries the meaning of something done accurately, precisely, or given close attention. In other words, being very careful can really mean being very intentional about the way you live out your faith. It's important. You can't just be coasting and expect that you are going to be growing in faith. You could be reducing faith, moving towards somebody who's just in name only. The word live in the Greek actually is the word walk. So in scripture, walk is a biblical metaphor for lifestyle. How we live out our Christian life requires careful attention to how we live our life. So think about over this last month. Have you taken time to carefully examine the way you are living out your faith among people? Let's take just our oikos. That that eight to 15 people that God has placed in your relational world. Do you take seriously that how you live your faith in front of them will make or break the way they may respond? They may be identifying as a non-practicing Christian. They, They say, well, I'm a Christian, and that's it. And you could very well be the determining factor of whether they turn to a practicing faith, starting to grow in their faith and what Christ has done for them, or to leave. And so many people are abandoning faith simply because of the way they see Christians living out what they say they believe. So I think it's important when Paul says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Let's just unpack unwise versus wise. When you see the the word uh, of being wise, 
I think that uh, Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 12, gives us an idea of why wisdom is so important. So if you would turn with me there, I'm going to look at just... Uh, because Proverbs is so much filled with wisdom. It's the, I kind of call it, the book of Proverbs is a wisdom book. It helps you to see what is the right way to live or the right decisions to be making and kind of when things are not focusing on God but more focusing on ourselves. So beginning with verse one in chapter four. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. And here, I think, is kind of a foundational verse. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. How does that happen? By being careful how I live and building my life on wisdom. What does God's word have to say? When I think of wise people, they're engaging with God's word. They're taking seriously what God teaches and how do they need to apply this to their own life? When was the last time that you, as you were reading a text, were you putting yourself in there, where do I need to change or where do I need to grow in this particular passage? As we do more of that, we will grow in wisdom. We will grow understanding what God is doing in our midst. When I think of somebody who's unwise, this is a person who's building their life around themselves. In other words, when they stumble, sometimes they don't even understand why they're stumbling because they're building everything upon how they see life. Here's what I think we've got to be careful of. If this morning you're trying to take the wisdom of this world to make sense of God's wisdom you're going to fail every time because the two do not mix. God's wisdom is so much higher than the worldly wisdom that is out there. If I'm basing, I find people today will take passages of scripture and actually tell me that, well, it's not saying that. When I hear them say that, you know what they're doing? They're choosing to mix worldly wisdom with God's wisdom. You can't do that because God is going to be so much higher. There is an expectation. There is a life to live that is different than the lives that could be laid out for us by those or by the teaching of wisdom in this world. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness 
in God's sight. Then even in 1 Corinthians 1, we won't take time yet now to unpack that, but it just really brings us to a point that unwise living is living apart from God, that it's like living as if there is no God. And here's what's sad. A practicing Christian could still have a tendency to live life as if there's no God because they're trying to balance. I want to do what is right in, you know, among my friends, but at the same time, I want to do what's right according to the word of God. But you take the, the non-practicing Christian, that is purely living life by our own wisdom. What seems to be right for us? So when I see these I, things that are challenging us in our, in our faith journey, I think it becomes extremely difficult for practicing Christians to really live it with wisdom, being careful how they walk, how they're living life. For one main reason is that we don't take the time to do so. When was the last time before you made a major decision or you were trying to decide what is the right thing for me to do? Did you just quickly think about it, maybe offer up a quick prayer, or did you take time to consider what it is that God is doing in this particular situation? What would he want me to do? How would he want me to change in the way that may have been my natural response, rather I'm gonna respond as God would want me to respond? I think what we'll learn is that, especially when you start to look at verse 16, is that there are going to be opportunities every day for you to decide whether you're going to choose God's wisdom and way of doing things or your own. And so we need to be careful. We need to make the most of every opportunity, verse 16 says, because the days are evil. The word opportunity comes from a Greek word meaning towards the port. It suggests a ship taking advantage of the wind and tide to arrive safely into the harbor. So in other words, it's the ship is taking advantage of this wind that comes and the tide that comes so that it can get safely where it needs to be. A wise person who is careful how they walk, if they trust in God's direction for them, they can safely be able to navigate through to get to a safe place rather than to become a shipwreck somewhere else down the road. You know, when I think about all of these, when I, when, after I kind of saw that statistic about how many people have moved from a practicing faith to a non-practicing faith, I was going down the, the highway, down uh, 283, and there was a car parked alongside the road, and nobody was in it. And it just it was like there at that moment, I just thought, you know, there's a good example. Here's people going on the path of Christian faith. But along the road are parked cars of lives that represent lives of people who have stopped living faith. For one reason or another, they've abandoned faith because it was so difficult. It was so hard. And so when I think about this idea of making the most of every opportunity, being intentional about what I do, I thought, is there something I could share that maybe would help give us a tool where we could examine 
or, or kind of begin to put into practice about how to be wise in the way in which we live. And I, I just come up with five. There, there's not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, just five very quick thoughts to, to, that we could process, use for processing, making good uh, decisions, taking the most of every opportunity. The first one being this. What is the most strategic thing I could do? Because you see, there are a lot of things, a lot of opportunities, but there may be one that is more strategic and what could be accomplished. So stop and think about that for a minute. The second thing I could maybe do is, what is the best use of my time? Because you know what? In a given day, there's all kinds of things that are calling out for me to do. So what would be the best use of my time in, uh, in this life? The third thing would be, what would bring the most good? What would bring the most good? Because you see, there are things out there that aren't necessarily good. They're not bad, but they're not, they're not going to give us, get us too far down the road. And then there are just some things out there that is not good at all. So stop and think about what would bring the most good. Fourth thing, what's the best use of me, for me and my gifts? Because you, you see, sometimes I can invest myself doing things that is just not what I'm gifted to do. And, uh, you know, if you take somebody who, who's just very task-oriented, and for them, they may, doing a task is just great. I can accomplish that. I can do that. Uh, that's just who I am. But don't put me at the front door and expect to be good at meeting people because that's, the tendency for me might be to see that as a task rather than a way to make people feel a part and welcome. So it's crucial that I look at, is this the best use of my gifts? Then finally, the best for people around me. Knowing that people are watching, Ask yourself this question sometimes when you're trying to decide what, what would God want me to do in this case? What would be the impact on the people who know me if I did this? How would it affect them? Because you see, they are watching us. Your oikos is interested in not just what you say, but how you live. So when I look at the cultural influences that are impacting us today, I think that what makes it so difficult, because these days are so difficult, that what ends up happening is, is what you saw happening in that statistic, that people just quickly abandon faith when things aren't working out right. When you think of how there's such a lure out there today for self-focus, People who will get up and teach, like Tony even warned, be careful what, who you listen to. Because there, could be, there are people out there who are trying to convince us how to get, become a better you. So self-focused. And also, I think what starts to happen, Colossians 1, 9 through 10, uh, or I mean Ephesians 4, 17 through 18, it says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility 
or insisted on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking because they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So Paul just clearly articulates that we are to avoid living like the world because there is vain thinking that comes from that type of living. And that as a result of why is that vain thinking there is because their hearts are darkened. They are hardened. And they're not willing to listen to the things of God. Rather, they're thinking of only themselves. So then as we uh, look at verses, uh, uh, chapter, Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 10, he begins to talk about this idea of therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I think people today are wanting to know more, well, what's God's will in this situation? I think practicing Christians are interested in knowing and doing God's will. But if you look at the flow of this text, I don't think that God is addressing, that Paul is trying to address this regarding how to make major decisions, but more God's intent for the way we live every day. God's will, God's plan is that you and I become more like him, that we are following in his steps that we're following in his shoes. And he says, we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You see the two things. Ask God to fill you And the spirit then is the one who gives us the understanding to what God is teaching. I wonder how many times we stop because we're struggling to understand what we just read. Have you ever thought of asking yourself, what is the Holy Spirit needing to teach me in this situation? And just wait. Let God do his work. So when you think of this idea of being filled, God wanting to fill us, and the idea of the Spirit who gives us this understanding, verse 18 says, be not drunk, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's interesting. When you start to contrast, look at the contrast between being drunk on wine and being filled with the Spirit. However, When you go back to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 13, we'll find that the way in which the people outside of those who had been, they're watching the spirit filling, coming in great power, and people are speaking in languages that were, is among all of the tribes that were there represented. They're hearing that, that gospel message. And what amazes me as the people are standing back and observing what's going on, the, way, the only way they can explain what's happening is that they're drunk. Because they see this isn't normal. This isn't the way. The only way you can explain it is they're out of control. And so when I look at this, be not drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, One commentary addressed the word drunk in this verse as meaning soaked. It means to be saturated with, to be dominated by. 
So when you add leads to debauchery, debauchery means wasted living. So when you think of, of saturation that alcohol brings, I get out of control. I am not able to, to walk a straight line. I'm not able to think right. I do things that maybe later I will not even know I did them because what is controlling me is the alcohol. But then when days get bad and you start to get depressed, maybe you're discouraged or you're anxious, what do you turn to for help? I think what happens is that way too many people turn to substances to try to deaden the pain that they're experiencing. And they start to, uh, what starts to affect them is that the relationship with God starts to diminish. Any, practicing that, uh, diminish, any practices that diminishes a person's awareness of God and ability to respond suggests a life out of control, suggests an, an unwise life. So if I'm going to be careful how I walk and I'm going to live wisely, it's going to require the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says to be filled with the Spirit. That's present tense. It means keep being filled. It's not just one time. Oh, God, two years ago, you said, God, fill me with your Spirit. We need to be filled every day. Because of things that goes on in our life that it just, that it's like a glass of water. You see it getting less and less. That's why the more that there is space between what is, is living in a spirit-filled life or living a wise life, being careful how I'm living, is the extra space of emptiness there is where I start to take over. How I live life versus living as God would have me to live in his strength, his power. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Catch that. He strengthens you with power through, through his spirit in your inner being. Working inside you. The Holy Spirit being inside me. Helping me to do what is the right thing to do. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It doesn't say partially filled. It says to be filled to the brim with the wisdom and knowledge of God. So this isn't unintentional living, it's intentional living. So what does it look like when I begin to live practicing my Christian faith, relying heavily upon the Holy Spirit to work in my life, and I'm constantly, every day, just, I'm not constantly, but every day, I'm just taking some time and say, God, Fill me today so that I'm not going to do this in my own power and strength, but I'm going to rely upon you to help me to get where I need to go and to do what I need to do. I think what starts to happen is that we start to see a change in the lives of people and the practicing Christians and the way they live their life. 
In verse 19, it says, speak to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, I know that sometimes we would have a tendency to look at hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, but notice the first part of this, it says, speak to one another with psalms. What would happen if you were out in the foyer today and somebody just walked up to you and started singing to you? You probably think pretty weird, right? I, get, I would love to see what would happen in this. If, if people, when somebody just singing, I'm not going to sing for you today, but imagine if they just started singing at you. You'd think that was strange. But what if somebody came up to you and begin to share what God was doing in their life. I think that's what he's talking about. We need to be telling true stories, true talks with people around us, letting them know what God is doing in your life. You know, the other, other night, last Sunday evening, we had a Celebrate God event where people were, uh, had written maybe their own psalm, or their, uh, yeah, their own psalm, or reading one of their favorite psalms. And I just watched, as I was looking around the room, I just saw sometimes that when a particular person's psalm was being read and they were hearing it, tears were coming down their face because that psalm spoke to them. You may not realize, but when you are silent, you may be missing the greatest opportunity to help a brother or sister or somebody who is unknown to faith by sharing a faith journey, it may be what the Holy Spirit uses to change somebody's life. A friend of mine told me one time, he said, when you talk with Christians, uh, with non-Christians, how do you talk? And I said, well, I try to help them to come to see, and this is years ago, uh, when people were a whole lot more active in sharing their faith with people out on the streets and wherever. And he said, and I share with him how the Romans rode. And I went on with this. And he said, you know, what if you started changing how you engage with people who are non-Christians by sharing what God is doing in your life? And that way, he said, the Holy Spirit will have something to work with. I was amazed at the change that started to happen when I became more serious about sharing a truth talk with somebody, sharing my own journey, what God was doing in my life, and how God was starting to use that to impact other people's life. Maybe you need to change the way in which you talk to somebody. But then I see things like um, when you, you hear somebody sharing their story, like in baptisms, haven't you been moved by some of the stories that people share before they're baptized? It's the Spirit of God is speaking to, through that person to us. I think we need to go back recapturing what it means to talk to each other about faith, about God. Because the days are getting worse and more people are abandoning faith and are maybe even coming to the place where they are not identifying with Christ at all. 
I think another indication of a, of a person who has been filled with the Holy Spirit is somebody who in verse 20 says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like to look at that as a thank-filled life. The word of God is filled with encouragement to be thankful in all things. I think what it's ends up happening is that when we are facing circumstances um, and and struggles and things, it starts to pull us away from a focus on God to begin to put focus on the things around us. I just want you to know today, and please hear me, is that when we allow circumstances to be the determining factor for joy and peace, you're missing it. Because what is important, what is important, is that God is the, the reason for joy and peace, regardless of what we go through in life. With the days being so evil, it would be easy to allow fretting and complaining and resentment to build and drive our emotions. And when these runaway emotions take off, they can begin to lead us into some very unwise decisions and unwise ways of living life. We become more about ourselves and how to make ourselves feel better rather than what is God saying? What does a wise person need to do to really rely upon God in the midst of whatever I face, realizing there is much reason to be thankful? This morning, as I close, I want you to think of it this way. Because these days that we're living in are so difficult, I think that it, we as brothers and sisters in Christ need to be more intentional about how we're living our faith. How we're using wisdom found in God's word. How we're choosing to build our, versus trying to choose to build our lives on our own wisdom. I think a wise person is not working independently of God, but is relying on God's work through the Holy Spirit to help us do the right thing. You know, we may need to take time to re-examine our walk today. Maybe this afternoon, find some time by yourself and just take a few minutes to say, am I walking wisely? Am I being careful how I'm walking? Are you about to make a decision that is not wise? Are you taking time to have spiritual conversations with others? Somebody today may need to hear your story. A word from you today may help someone to make a wise decision tomorrow. And if our emotions are driving us away from God, he's still there. And he wants you to come to him. Let's pray. Father, I know it's really easy for us to allow the things of this world to dictate how we are to live. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't want other people to think we're kind of unwise because it doesn't make sense. 
But Lord, you've shown us today that the wisdom of this world is foolish. Your wisdom is what we must be building our lives on. Holy Spirit of God, we need for you to teach us. You need to point out to us things that we need to go back to the word of God, looking at how we need to live our lives in these situations. It's crucial, Lord, because so many people have abandoned practicing Christianity to now are just self-identifying or have a t- totally abandoned faith altogether. So Lord, may today be a different day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we have some time to reflect and respond uh, to what's been given to us through the word, we're going to take the opportunity to take those words quite literally, <laughs> speaking hymns, uh, speaking in songs and, and hymns and spiritual songs. And we're going we're gonna to do a reading together. So if you would stand with us as we do this. This is a psalm that was written to be said and spoken together as a group um, responsibly. And we're going to enter, enter in and, and, and do that together. As, as Rich leads us, we're going to do a portion of that as we, as we head into our closing. So if you would follow along. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever to him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever the sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever the moon and stars to rule over the night steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembers us in our low estate. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescues us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's read this together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Let's sing together.
I don't know if the survey shook you, but I hope at least it opened your eyes to the fact that we have got to be more intentional about how we're living in our faith. And I like what Paul said uh, to the Corinthians in chapter one or chapter two, when he's talking about his message. And he just simply says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. If you found yourself this morning that you have moved towards a self-identified Christian, but you're not really living out faith, maybe because of things that have happened around you, the Holy Spirit this morning is wooing you. He's talking to you. We have somebody who will be in the encounter room who will be able to pray with you, to help you to kind of see what maybe some steps you could begin to take to change the project trajectory of your life. And so I would pray this morning that you would take time today to think about, am I walking wisely? Am I being careful how I'm living out my faith? Because people are watching. And build your faith, not on human wisdom, but on God's power. Grace and peace. God bless you. Have a great week.